This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Vocal Perspective. It's just Amanda here today. Rachel is recovering from her jet lag after her visit to Japan. But we have a wonderful guest here for you, Cassie Green. You may know her as a member and actually a founding member and arranger for Business Casual. Business Casual has had a lot of success over the last couple of years. So we wanted to bring her in and talk about some of that and her background in acapella. Hi, Cassie. How are you? Hi, I'm excellent. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So let's just jump right in and tell us a little bit about how and why you got business casual off the ground. Sure. So my acapella story starts the same as many people's, which is that I grew up doing music and sort of in middle school decided that I wanted to be in an all-male collegiate acapella group when I went to college, which at the time didn't seem at all impossible to me. (laughs) And then I joined a co-ed group at Cornell, which was the Cornell Class Notes. And there I met my now husband, Jacob Shamoon. So my, my other last name is Shamoon, although green is the name that usually goes on my arrangements for some reason. I'm not sure why I keep doing that, but I do. And when we finished our undergraduate degrees at Cornell, Jacob got into Stanford for grad school, and that's kind of hard to turn down. So we moved to California together and needed to keep singing. So once you get bit by that acapella bug, a lot of people (laughs) really have a hard time shaking it off. And that, that was the case for us. So we had joined a small group in California, but it wasn't quite scratching the itch for us. It was a very casual group. I think in a previous interview, somebody called it like a, a book club type group where people get together once a week and (laughs) and enjoy each other and have some fun, but don't really put their back into it, so to speak. And we wanted more. So there was a group in the San Francisco Bay Area called Rapid Transit that was sort of undergoing a transition. And two members from Rapid Transit broke off and decided to make their own smaller, more contemporary sort of pentatonic style group. Mm -hmm. And that was Danny Olesky, who has made a name for himself in the acapella world since then, and um, Bakari Holmes, who was in Bay Area group Rochambeau. And so they started this group with the intention of doing more modern arrangements, keeping it really contemporary, like I said, in the style of pentatonics, um, which at the time was new. This was 2011, 2012. So I auditioned for the group. I found them on, I think on Reddit, or they found me, I guess, on Reddit. And yeah, I was called back and then accepted into the group. And then, so the way the group was founded, there was no one musical director. Like we were all sort of contributing musically and logistically and conceptually to the group's musical identity. And so right off the bat, it was an opportunity for me to start arranging again, which was something I really, really missed from college. And it was really (laughs) exciting to do it for this smaller group format uh, and to Mm -hmm. be really like aggressive and solving the puzzle of how do you do, how do you make sound with only five people when you're used to having like 16, 20 people or whatever. Right. Since then, so that was 2012, the business casual got started. And actually, uh, that was not our original name. When we formed, we were called Quintessence because it was like pentatonics has pent like the like the number five so we need it a pun about the number I actually five. remember that name and now it all comes together. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I had you no do? idea that was the same group. <laughs> you are one of the only people who remembers that. <laughs> it's been my job to stock a cappella groups for a really long time. <laughs> well, you're doing it well. I must say. So we, we soon learned that people can't pronounce quintessence. They can't spell quintessence. <laughs> they can't remember the name quintessence except for you. So we brainstormed and tried to find a new name that reflected sort of what we were, which was five people who were like working professionals in tech and in the sciences, but who were doing this thing on the side that was really fun and artsy. And so the name Business Casual stuck and 
has continued to be a good representation of uh, sort of who we are individually and collectively. So jumping off of that, you all do have full-time jobs outside of music, but you are making some great inroads as a professional group. What's that balance like? How do you all make that work? Because it's it's difficult. <laughs> great question. It is truly all about balance. I Sometimes I don't really know the answer. It kind of seems like magic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the movie Shakespeare in Love, but in that mm-hmm. movie, Jeffrey Rush Keith has this running joke that someone asks him, how is this possibly all going to work out? And he says, I don't know, it's a mystery. And then it all does work (laughs) out. And that's, (laughs) in some ways, that's kind of how business casual has, has always been. But I think the most crucial part of it for us has been focusing on doing things that we enjoy. Because if you're doing things that you're not enjoying, you're not going to be as committed to it, you're not going to put as much time into it, uh, and you're not going to come back for more. Uh, and so it's really important to us to make sure that we are committed to it and we are coming back for more and we, we are really getting a lot of enjoyment out of it and out of each other of spending time together. So that's, I think, been the most critical thing for us. Do you all rehearse very often? Do you have a like a number of gigs that you'd like to do each month or anything like that that keeps you motivated? Yeah, so we, we try to rehearse at least once a week. There are times when we take more time off if people are traveling, for example, around the holidays or, or just if people are like, I just need to go to uh, Hawaii for two weeks and, and then we'll <laughs> we'll say all right cool no no gigs for the next two weeks got it we aim to do no more than two gigs per week and note that that's a that's sort of an upper cap we really enjoy gigging i would say that it's the, one of the most fulfilling parts of being in this group is that we do gig a lot we find that if we do more than around two per week it gets to be too much and we get burnt out uh between our full-time jobs and getting to the gig and doing the gig and having energy during the gig and then packing up <laughs> after the gig and bringing the stuff in from the car and recharging the rechargeable batteries and then talking to the vendor to see how it went and blah, 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 blah. So yeah, I would say on average, we probably do one to five gigs per month. Uh, but it really depends on the the season and what's going on. So I've seen you all perform at lots of different competitions. And I think you guys get your professionalism from gigging so often. And you get a sense that you guys really enjoy being on stage together. You have won Harmony Sweepstakes and Voice Jam, and you've been to the finals for Aka Open. Every time I see you all in competition, you have your own style and you all look very comfortable on stage. And you've clearly come up with a formula that gets you to, if not the top of the competition, definitely noticed. So can you share a little bit about how you guys prepare? Well, thank you, first of all. That's all really flattering to hear. So I have to say, most of us are not really natural performers. Most of us have had to learn to be on stage. Like I was a painfully shy kid and I started doing choir and theater to force myself to become okay with being seen and being heard. And I think, I mean, I can't speak for them uh, 100%, but probably the other members of the group uh, would agree to that to some degree. The notable exception is our tenor, Roshan, (laughs) who is such a showman. I don't know. I don't think he's ever had to work at really being entertaining and being a showman. He's really fabulous. So for the rest of us, who for whom it doesn't come so naturally, we do rehearse in dance studios fairly often. We videotape ourselves doing like dress rehearsals where we pretend like we're on stage and we give each other feedback, both based on those recordings and from watching each other in rehearsal about like, 
okay, so you seemed really uncomfortable when you had to say these words or when you had to sing this line or when you had to do this dance move. And we all really try to internalize that feedback and like let loose and let go and and find ways to physically embody comfort and confidence, which is a really, really great personal growth exercise. In addition to it being really fun to then put that on stage and interact with audiences and, and see how that energy plays out in a performance, it's also just like really fulfilling on a personal level especially for people who do pretty technical work and maybe don't do a lot of public speaking. It's a really special thing to get to sort of practice that skill set and getting comfortable in our own skin. So you also, with your win at Voice Jam, got a trip to Japan this summer. Yes, yeah, in yes, August. that's when it was. <laughs> and it wasn't like you weren't in Tokyo, you were in Takamatsu, which is a very small, more rural area in Japan. Yes. What was that experience like you guys filmed? I know you filmed a video there and you got to meet a lot of the local groups. And tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Oh my gosh. I think it is the coolest thing that we've gotten to do so far as a group. So yeah, so the prize for winning Voice Jam was getting to go to the Vocal Asia Festival 2019 in Takamatsu, Japan, which is, I I would describe it as being in the suburbs of Osaka, like the distant suburbs, (laughs) like as Albany is to New York City. In... (laughs) I've never been to Asia before, so it was just an absolutely wonderful, amazing thing. I know that you have some history with Japan, and I don't know if you remember the first time you ever went, but like, just everything was so beautiful and different, and I'm not being very articulate, but I loved it so much. I loved it so <laughs> no, much. No, I, I know what you're saying. I mean, I remember the first time I went, I was a student, and I stepped off the plane, and even though I had studied about the language and the culture, it was still like, I have just landed on a different planet. And it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. But I guess more specifically, like getting to spend time making music with people of different cultures, that is really, really special too, because we spend a lot of time in the Bay Area performing and maybe around the US performing with people who are more or less us. You know, like maybe they're the undergrad school they went to is a different school, but we have sort of parallel histories. And so learning about the music of other cultures uh, and making music with people with whom I can't have a conversation because none of us speak the same language, it was so, so special and wonderful. And I vaguely remember that you all learned a song in Japanese to sing while you were there. (laughs) We did. (laughs) We decided like, if we're going, we have to go for it. So we like looked at all the top 40 Japan charts, which Billboard does have a have like a top 100 Japan chart that we went through song by song. And we're like, oh, we could do this one. Or like, I have no idea how to approach that. Or like, I don't know what this one means, even with the lyrics translated. So I don't think we should try. And this this one official Hige Dandism song that struck us as sort of like Maroon 5 stuck out to us and, and we decided to go for it. And then we sought advice from, I think we were talking to Deke Sharon and we did a gig for him and uh, we were talking like backstage before the gig about what advice he had because he's associated with Voice Jam and with the Vocal Asia Festival. And he said, if you can do a mashup with uh, an English song, it'll just drive home like that you're in it and like you understand <laughs> and, and you can you can synthesize the two. So we mashed it up with uh, Shake It Off, Taylor Swift. Uh, yes. And it was super well received both in Japan and at home. So people That's really awesome. go wild when Roshan starts, you know, singing full on in Japanese. So. <laughs> it is a very cool part 
party trick. And it's a cool party trick in Japan when they hear foreigners either speak or sing in Japanese. So I'm sure that they really enjoyed it. So what other opportunities did you have to sing and meet with other groups? Because that is definitely a festival that I know is on a lot of people's bucket lists, but it's far, it's expensive. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole special community over there that I think the U.S. groups don't know much about. Yeah, so the festival itself was several days, as they typically are. And the sessions ranged from like a huge lecture where everybody was just sort of facing front and not speaking to each other to really small sessions where you were talking and singing with people directly in in small groups. And getting to do that was was really, really nice having that variation between like big lecture, low pressure to like very intimate connecting with people. Specifically, we had um, on the last day of the festival, they had something called Akaday, where they sent everybody out into different locations around the prefecture uh, and had acapella performances for people outside of the festival. And we were paired with a Korean pop acapella group called Exit, and <laughs> we were sent to this tiny island called Tashima. Uh, we decided to call it Camp Tashima. and like we spent the whole day with them we were like put on a bus and like driven around this little island and like ate little pack lunches in like the one air-conditioned building on the island and we had so much fun (laughs) with them just spending a whole day uh, they decided they wanted to teach us a game and as they explained the rules we started to understand that it was a game that we know as mafia and so and everyone was really excited when we all realized that we knew the rules of the game and so we we played mafia with Exit, the Korean acapella pop group Exit. It was was just a really special experience getting to do that. That's definitely what you were thinking about when you joined the class notes, right? Oh, yeah. That someday (laughs) I'm going to go to Japan and hang with these K-pop stars with really cool hair. Yeah. What is coming up next? I know that Business Casual will be making an appearance at the Los Angeles Acapella Festival. And you also just released an album. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we are so stoked for Laugh this year. Los Angeles Acapella Festival is actually the very first acapella festival we as a group went to, I want to say three or four years ago. And so it's really, really special to get to come back as co-headliners and to get to perform. And yes, we did an album this past year, which was another new experience for us. And going into that, we sort of thought you can do the like live album approach where you're kind of yearbooking and just saying like, this is what we sounded like. Or you can like play the game of studio recording of like, we're going to like pump the arrangement up so big and like add effects and like get really like competitive with it so that maybe it can be put on compilation albums and stuff like that. And so we we went with the latter and we have been selected for some compilation albums and that's been really, really gratifying. And we got a five out of five RAB review, which was amazing to let's, you know, that's amazing feedback to get. So yeah, it's our self-titled album, Business Casual, and it's available on all major streaming platforms. <laughs> Definitely go check it out. A five out of five on RARB does not come easy. So what was that experience like? Because, you know, when college groups record, it's like, okay, we're going into the studio on this weekend and maybe this weekend, or, you know, there's going to be an acapella specialist engineer that will come to campus and they'll be here for this week and we get everything done. And I know that's not usually how things work for adults. How did you guys get through the process? Yeah, so it was a really interesting sort of trial and error thing. And I would say we finally got in the groove of it by the time we finished the album. So the very first song, we were close to Bill Hare, like geographically, and now mm-hmm. also socially. So we figured like, let's just do the first song entirely with Bill because we've never recorded together with this iteration of the group. And I don't really remember how to do that since college. And so we went to his home studio and did the whole thing with him and he mixed it and everything. So that was La Vie en Rose, which is 
obviously on the album. And we're hoping to put out a little music video of that soon, which is just like home video iPhone footage of us recording at his place. And then from there, we realized, okay, all right, we now that we've done this first one, we're sort of remembering how this feels and how this goes. Let's start getting a little more DIY with it. So we then had a couple tracks where we had someone come up to track us. We had a, you know an engineer come into town. I mean, we would pay for them to stay a couple of nights, and then we would send it out for editing and mixing, and then get it back and you know do iterations on it as one does. And then later in the process, we started tracking it ourselves. So a couple songs on the album are tracked by either Roshan or me or both. And so now we're pretty self-sufficient. So when we were in Japan, for example, to record that song, we tracked it ourselves. That's pretty awesome. So what advice would you have for other full-time working adults that really do want to pursue a group as at a level where Business Casual is? I love that question because that is what is sort of special about us is that we're not the book club acapella group where we're doing it just casually for fun without getting too serious. But we're also not full-time acapella people or full-time musicians. My advice is find other people who are as geeky about it as you are, who will (laughs) accidentally stay up till 2 a.m., doing the stuff for the group that needs to be done because then you can share the the joy and the frustration and the whole process with them equally uh, instead of ending up trying to lead a group yourself that isn't fully bought into the to the whole process into the that that group identity so yeah, and I know that, that people like that are sort of unicorns. It's it's hard to find other people <laughs> who are close enough to you that you can rehearse with them, you know, who share the same musical interests um, and who are willing to to really put in the time. But yeah, my, it's the, the people are the most important part. And then for the college students out there that only know the 12 to 16 or even 18 or 20 member group, what can they expect when they try to go with an adult group that tends to be smaller and especially as small as five? I would say all of the things you learn in classical training about, you know, choral vowels and vowel matching and cutoffs and dynamics, they are all so much more important. And you'd think listening to like a pentatonics chart that that stuff has gone out the window because they don't sound choral at all. They sound really poppy and stylized. But all of that stuff is amplified so much more when there's only five of you. Because if, you know, one out of the four singing voices, because someone's doing beatbox, if one out of the four singing voices is not cutting off at the same time or is not crescendoing, it really destroys the the whole vibe. And yet, at the same time, you have to be willing to go way outside of those choral traditions that you're used to. So dark vowels don't matter. Like, I, I, we probably use dark vowels in business casual like 2% of the time and the rest of it is really <laughs> bright, like eh, really nasty, like ringy nasal stuff because that is the stuff that makes a small group sound full and big and confident instead of like a choral quartet or like carolers. What next? You guys have been really successful at competitions. Your gigs have gone up. You've started to travel a little bit more. Where do you go from here? That is a great question. And it's a question we are continuously asking ourselves. We try and check in every couple of months and say, yeah, what do we want to do? What's on the horizon? What do we feel good about? For example, we are working on a new track and music video that we're hoping to put out, hopefully in March. We're hoping to have it done by the end of February. Moscow Acapella Festival has been on our minds. We were invited to go last year, but couldn't because of other commitments, which was voice jam. And so we're thinking, you know, if we're invited this year, we 
are probably interested in doing that. And then after that, I don't know. And that's the really exciting thing is that because we are doing this ourselves and deciding our path in real time, things tend to evolve in surprising and delightful ways. So we'll find out. (laughs) Well, that's really awesome. We are looking forward to seeing you. Acaville will be at Los Angeles Acapella Festival. So we're looking forward to seeing you all there again. But in the meantime, we wish you guys luck. You have had a great couple of years and we're hoping that we see even more great years come out of this group. You guys definitely have something really special. So thanks so much for joining us on Vocal Perspective, Cassie. Thank you so much for having me. And that wraps up a great interview. So we'd like to thank Cassie Green of Business Casual again for sitting down with me. Even though I'm without my co-host this week, we do have an extra topic to discuss, but you just get my opinion this week. But Rachel will be back for next week's episode. And this little chat is going to be about kindness. Each year at the start of the year, we all do our New Year's resolutions or we look back over the past year and we figure out what it is that we did well and what it is that maybe we can do better. I'm still recovering from a busy holiday season, so my New Year reflection started a little later this year. I'm coming off of six weeks of caroling with some of the best singers in the D.C. area, and just like every year, bringing joy to people, especially at the holidays, is one of the best parts of being a musician. However, once it was all over, there was another cool part. I got to write checks for large sums of money to my friends to reward them for their hard work, to musicians who piece together an income however they can, for recent grads for whom this helps make ends meet, and to some singers for whom this was their first time ever earning money for making music. The whole process start to finish felt good. Really good. Years ago, I started a business to do what I love, and now I truly get to share that with others who also want to make music. Beyond just finding some professional success, I've been able to do it alongside others, and their success has not come at the expense of mine. More of that is what I am choosing to do with my 2020. Just as I was settling in to turn big picture ideas into more tangible plans, friends passed along the news that my dear friend Toby Hoog had succumbed to his battle with cancer. Many people knew him for his lengthy time with the Swingle Singers as a bass and beatboxer. He was one of the very best at his craft. More than 700 shows all around the world sharing a voice you not only heard, but felt. However, in the days that have followed, it hasn't been his talent that our hundreds of shared friends have remembered. Instead, it is the way he shared his music, the way he used it to make the world a better place, one person at a time. Toby could have easily kept his talent on stage and locked away otherwise, but he was always using his talent along with his wit and humor to help others find the spark within themselves. I first met Toby in 2011 when the Swingle Singers agreed to headline the first festival I'd ever produced. To be frank, I was terrified. Somehow I'd convinced legends to come and participate in my fledgling new festival. They could have easily come and done the bare minimum and moved on. But they didn't. They dove headfirst and worked extra hard teaching and putting on a world-class show. But also they were kind to everyone. How special it was for those at the festival to receive validation and encouragement from people like that. Several months later, the Swingle Singers offered my group another opportunity of a lifetime. We were invited to the London Acapella Festival, not only to attend, but to perform, and to perform ahead of the Swingle Singers as their opening act. This was my most exciting opportunity to date, and what I remember most from that trip was how kind all of the headliners were to us, especially the Swingles, and especially Toby. The following year, I returned to the London Acapella Festival, just as an attendee, and I was wandering in the neighborhood near the theater. I didn't really have any plans, and we were just looking for a place to eat, and we see Toby walking down the street, and Toby probably had a million other things to do, but he saw us, got really excited, and invited us to go have some dinner with him. 
As I've learned from the many memories being shared of Toby, this is how he was with everyone. I don't really remember what it was that we talked about that night, but I do remember that he made me feel like I was part of something bigger, and I deserved to be there just as much as he did. Over the years that followed, Toby had left the Swingles, so I didn't get to see him on their tours. However, we kept in touch via Skype. Toby always liked to talk via Skype, and we loved planning festivals together. We bounced ideas off of each other for my festivals here, but also for his work with Vocalmente and later Black Forest Voices. Of all the projects Toby spoke of, I knew Black Forest Voices was incredibly important to him. He had hoped to bring a festival to his small hometown of Kirchsarden in the southwest corner of Germany. As the festival came closer, Toby invited me to come to Black Forest Voices to represent Akaville and help stream the show and promote the event. As luck would have it, I was able to get out to Kirchsarten, which included many planes, many trains, and some automobiles, but it was worth it. When I arrived at the bus station in Freiburg, Toby was the one that was there to pick me up. Toby, who had just finished several days of chemo, and only took a break from chemo to run the festival for a few days. Right after it was over, he was right back in treatment. But to most, you'd never even notice. He spent that day giving me a short tour of Freiburg and driving me to his small village where he spent all of his childhood. He took great joy and great pride in sharing his small village with the world for those four days. Although Toby had been able to pull together some of the best talents in the world for this small little festival, it wasn't about that. It was about sharing a little piece of his life and his heart with the world. Everyone at the festival worked together, and it was truly an event unlike any other I've been to. In my own post within the friends group for Toby, I said I wished more people in the world could be like him. So that's my New Year's resolution, and I'm putting it out to you to remember to be kind. We all have our own naturally given talents, but what people will remember at the end of the day is how you made them feel. So don't forget to be kind. And remember, by sharing your music, you're helping the world become a better place. We'll close out this episode with one of my favorite pieces by the Swingles while Toby was a member, Poor Wayfaring Stranger. Next week, we'll be back with our 25th episode featuring Angela Ugolini. Until then, be good to each other, and we'll see you next Tuesday.
Ocean. No more shall.